You're listening to the Good Moon Clinic podcast with Drs. Justine Corrie and Gemma Gladstone. We're two clinical psychologists and schema therapists with a passion for helping people get to the heart of the matter, to find out what's really going on and to help break unhelpful life patterns. In this podcast, we'll take an in-depth look at the common issues our clients bring to therapy and hope to offer you some useful new ways to think about your life and the people in it. So stay with us. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Good Mood Clinic podcast. This is episode number 36. Can you believe that, Justine? No, 36. That's quite a few now. I'm Gemma Gladstone. And I'm Justine Corrie. And uh, we're going to be continuing on with the topic we started last week, aren't we, Justine? We are. That was a really great episode. I really enjoyed that one. The role play. <laughs> yeah, episode 35, if you haven't already um, checked that out, is where we do a role play, where I'm a client, just in the early phases of dating this guy called Tony. Mm-hmm. And Tony had some very early markers of very controlling behaviors. And Justine was helping me identify those as the client, helping me think about what this actually meant and what I felt like during these dates that we talked about. And I was a bit resistant to hearing some of the messages (laughs) at some points, wasn't I? You were really good because that's commonly what happens. So you're a very authentic client. Yeah, I suppose trying to get the person to see the bigger picture and see it as a in a a different way rather than just going with what feels good in the moment, which is what, you know, it's what people tend to do when when they're on dates, when they're really excited about someone. So, yeah, it would be really hard as a client to kind of have your bubble popped by Mm. an assistant but well-meaning therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Heat-seeking missile for schemas. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Okay, so what's today going to be about? We're going to sort of dissect it a little bit more. Yeah, in particular, looking at what might be the schemas going on for me? Well, we are going to kind of refer back to the last episode a bit. Um, So maybe go and listen to that first so you get the most out of this episode. And we're going to be looking at your schemas, Gemma, as that client Mm -hmm. and working out, giving a bit more clarity around what's going on for her internally Mm -hmm. because she's actually very triggered by this guy. And there's actually a lot going on for her, even though you guys would have just heard her resistance and, you know, her wanting this to be a lovely story about this guy. She's actually got a lot of schema triggers happening. And obviously part of changing your relationship patterns, becoming aware of those internal things going on as you're in the situation. So we're going to analyze that in more detail. And I'm sure if you're in this position, you'll be able to relate to some of the things that Gemma as the client is experiencing. So what do we know about Tony so far? Tony's revealed some you know, he's sort of pushed a few boundaries. Maybe he's overstepped the line a little bit. He's trying to get quite a, you know, he's really trying to be a presence in my life, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's looking like he's, on, on one hand, you could say he's looking a bit romantic, like he's taking control. He wants to really please you and show you a really good time. But then you could also say that he crossed the line into being a bit controlling and not really tuning into perhaps what you wanted. So I suppose it's, which is confusing for people. Yes, because he he ordered for me, he he bought drinks, extra drinks that I didn't ask for, I didn't know about. And he kind of pressured me into this arrangement of going away, 
booking a place for a, a upcoming weekend without really consulting yeah. and 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 so I was then on the spot and in the role play I felt like I couldn't say anything else or I couldn't sort of say no um, yeah. if I felt uncomfortable. Yes. So there was a lot of um confusion because one part of me would feel like oh this feels a little bit too much bit, bit too soon I'm not entirely comfortable yet another part of me was also feeling quite nice that he was paying this lovely attention to me and um, I felt a bit special and all of that sort of stuff it was it was it was also nice so there was a bit of a conflict going on yeah which yeah. I, I call with um it's like the wobble you know the wobble that's one the of your favorite words it is it is yeah. it's sort of um it is one of my favorite words it's like on one hand you're going oh that's nice but then on the other hand you might be going oh is that a bit much yeah it's a confusion you just said it's like you can't actually work out which state of mind to go in and then the moment passes and you usually end up going with what the other person wants mm. that's generally the pattern yeah would you would you say that of course so, so now we're going to drill down into looking at the schemas that might make me vulnerable or might cloud my judgments of tony might make me vulnerable to the the control and might make me not sort of see what's really happening so perhaps I stay in there a little longer than I should. So we've got we've written a few down here, haven't we, Jen, to kind mm. of talk about? We're going to go over them one by one. Yeah. From a schema perspective, applying it to the role play and the, the topic that we're talking about. So mm-hmm. in, in terms of a, a female in a relationship with a guy on the dating in, in the dating phase who's sort of exhibiting these behaviors. Okay, what's going to make me vulnerable? So the first one was abandonment. Abandonment. So a fear of being left, being alone, being rejected, or the person you're interested in sort of rejecting you and choosing someone better. You kind of always feel that relationships are on the knife edge. They could end at any minute generally. Mm. Yeah? Mm. Yeah, so that please don't leave me sort of feeling. Yeah, and obviously that pre-exists Tony. So that's something you have before you come into the relationship with him. But you approach all relationships in that way. So you're already coming from a perspective of please approve of me and like me and don't leave me rather than going, you know what, like I'm just going to spend some time with this guy and see what he's like and if he's good enough for me. So your mindset around going into these relationships in the beginning is always putting the other person's needs and preferences above yours because you're already prioritizing not being rejected. And so if you've got that fear, so even, you know, Tony rocking up to the apartment, you kind of expressed in the role play gym that there was something a bit, you know, like you were aware that wasn't quite okay, you know, because you'd asked them to do the opposite. But if you're in that situation, you, and, and you might go, oh, maybe I'd say something to him or not, but you'd probably choose not to because you wouldn't want to upset him because that might trigger your abandonment schema, then you might be worried that he'll think, oh, she's just high maintenance, I'm just going to mm-hmm. go, you know. So the abandonment scheme is already activated yes. well before even he comes to the door because it's a new relationship. Yeah. There's all the hope that this might be being able to work out yeah. everything. So when we're in, in this relationship, when I was in this relationship, already the abandoned part of me, sort of unhealed, abandoned child who feels all these things, was kind of in the front <laughs> she she was in 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 the front of me and and thinking things like oh but it was so nice and 
maybe he's the kind of guy that can take care of me. And so in a previous podcast, I talked about how we can confuse potentially control with care. Mm -hmm. So if you've got the abandonment scheme, you might be thinking, but it feels nice. It's so nice to be taken care of. I'll let him off the hook. He's just being considerate. He's just being, he's just being caring because we want, we want that feeling as though yeah. as the parent. Yeah. Yeah. So the part of you, that part of you will be going, oh, wow, he must like me so much. He must be so keen to meet me if he's come to the door. Isn't that nice? Fuel, you know, good. We're off to a good start. Yeah. And pushing aside the discomfort feeling that might be about, well, hang on, I asked him to buzz and yeah. now he's suddenly here. Yeah. What's so going on? Yeah, the part of you that had some boundaries, I suppose. Yeah, which is not, I mean, the fact that he came to the door is not necessarily a problem, but we should just be aware of it as, as part of a, a whole host of yeah. behaviours. Things yeah. are things to accumulate. It's something you'd have to consider. So the abandonment schema is going to kind of make you hold on and it's possibly be prone to a little bit of imagination about, you know, this guy, what he could be as well. Yeah, the fantasy's already begun. Yes. Particularly if you've had a lot of contact with this person prior. So mm. yeah, we would always say to minimize that to if you've got particularly if you've got an abandonment schema to prevent that fantasy kicking off. So you may already have a really positive narrative developing in your mind that obviously you don't want to let go of mm. because otherwise then you're in touch with this pain of potential rejection or being alone again. Yeah, that's why we recommend against long texting yes. or chatting with people long time on online before you actually meet them or yep. FaceTime them. Yeah. The abandonment schema, it's kind of putting you in the position of, I really want this relationship and, you know, I need to make it work out and I want to hold on to this person and I want to think the best that they're, 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 they're going to be there for me. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're less likely to kind of be assessing things as they go. You've already in a way decided. And so then that sort of bias in your thinking, anything contrary to that is going to bounce off. You yeah, here, which is probably what was going on in that role play. A bit, you didn't want to hear my questioning right. or, you know. Okay, I was a little bit reluctant to yeah. take it all on. Yes. Mm-hmm. Challenging the fantasy. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> it's hard too, as well. Because you know, I might have been on twenty dates beforehand, and they all crashed. So I know totally. You know, you've got all that factor to factor yeah. in. You know, dating and relationships are harder. Meeting people are. Are hard. It's, it's, yeah. all, it's all quite difficult and taxing, and you can burn out from it. So yeah. you just want it to work out. Which is true, you know, because some of my clients say, Well, Justin, what am I meant to do? <laughs> you know, right. Am I meant to just go back home and just sit around waiting for the next one? You know, can I give this guy a go? You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. like, they really, that, that's a horrible feeling. So, yeah. yeah, as you say, if you've had a lot of sort of duds and then disappointment, mm-hmm. yeah, and triggers, you know, being alone mm-hmm. and feeling hopeless about meeting someone. And then your, you know, well-meaning therapist wants you to kind of see this guy as potentially not a good punt, even though you feel really, you know, you've got a lot of chemistry mm. with him. Not- yeah, just, just being a killjoy. Totally. Okay, so abandonment. Anything yes. else to say on that one? If you've got that, yeah, just to be mindful, it starts prior to even meeting the person. Mm. So it's the whole mindset within which you approach dating that affects yes. all of that. So it's like asking yourself what part of you is actually present in this moment. Yeah, that's a great adult. question to ask. Yeah. yeah. Or is it your vulnerable yeah. abandoned child who wants to just yeah. attach to someone to get rid of the alone feeling? Yeah, no, a lot of my clients with abandonment schemas, women have said that they get very attached very, very early. You know, how can they avoid that? They feel like it's just 
something that happens automatically. Yeah. It's like a automatic feeling as soon as you're chatting with someone, it's like, okay, this is the connection. I could have a connection with this person. Okay, so it's just about being really wary of that, really mindful of what part of you is attaching to this person and what part of you might be projecting all sorts of stuff onto them, how it's going to be tough. Dating is going to be tough with an abandonment schema. You know, when you're triggered, maybe that's the abandoned child part of you and you need to kind of just go into that and soothe that part and remind that part that, hey, this is also a series of experiments we're doing. Let your healthy adult mode be the one that's making the decisions. That's right. Yeah, I'm going to keep an open mind. Um, And the next one on the list we've got is subjugation. Yeah. Subjugation schema. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with this guy, he was really calling all the shots. Mm-hmm. And in some instances, you weren't entirely comfortable with some of the decisions he was making. Like the the drinks is a good example, isn't it? Mm. So you made that decision to buy that, you know, drink that's quite high in alcohol. You didn't ask for it. And so then in that moment, you're faced with, okay, do I just drink it and kind of keep him happy so, so I don't have to reject him by saying no? Or do I really tune into myself and say, prioritize the fact that actually I don't like those drinks? Like it's such a decision point and a tough one. Because if you've got that schema, you would be thinking quite catastrophically about what might happen if you say the no, you know, say, you know what, thank you. That's so thoughtful, but I don't really drink drinks out of that high in alcohol goes to my head. Yes. And then I would have left a $20 or whatever. Cocktail just sitting there on the table. That's right. You know, like a. <laughs> so in that moment, it's all about like, okay, there's a part of me that goes, gee, you know what? I really don't want that cocktail. And I know what I want because it's, you, you know what you want. You tune into what you want. It's usually, yeah. it's usually not that you don't know what you want. You know what you want. And then the problem is, oh, okay. So who takes priority in this moment? Do I take, do I take priority or does this guy that I don't actually know very well, Tony? He's doing something pretty cheeky, really. Um, does he take priority? And what if I say no? Then he could just get really pissed off with me or he could, you know, he might walk out or he might not want to see me again. And then, you know, I start questioning myself and think, well, you know, lighten up. What, what's the big deal? <laughs> so invalidate myself thinking, well, you know, just have it. What are you being such a killjoy? Yeah. Why are you doing something a- nice. He's doing something nice and maybe that, that might be the voice of a parent in your head, you know. Now, don't complain if someone does something nice for you. Accept it. You know, don't be impolite. Yeah. <laughs> so my, my subjugation or, you know, partly also a bit self-sacrifice, I suppose, is guilt is saying, you know, oh, someone's done something nice to you. Be courteous, be kind, just accept what they've up. done. Suck it up. Yeah, so it's a real test, isn't it? Oh, is it me? Do I be true to myself? Do I say that even though it's uncomfortable? And, of course, that would be a great test if I said no and seen what Tony had done, hey? That's right. That would be a good experiment. Yeah. And then, yeah, so if he had been a nice guy without these attributes we're talking about, he would just take that on the chin and go, oh, you know, he'd probably be apologetic, mm. you know, because he, he wouldn't actually want you, to, he'd want you to feel comfortable and he'd want mm-hmm. you to feel that you could make decisions for yourself, mm-hmm. whereas Tony would probably, he might go cold, he might gaslight you a bit. Come on, or make, make, jo- a, or make, yeah. a, or make yeah. a joke of me. Yeah, I did Yeah, yeah, make a joke, make a little bit of fun of me. Making fun of someone early on is yeah. Oh, put, that's a red flag. Yes, a put down. 
<laughs> yeah, I put down in, in jest, you know. Underneath it's actually very invalidated and not something you do on the first date. So, but obviously in order to be able to see that as a choice, you know, a decision for you to act differently in that moment, because that's what changing schemas is all about, isn't it? Sort of mm-hmm. seeing yeah, your, pushing the envelope, going yep. to the un- uncomfortable territory. Yeah, seeing that you have a choice actually, not just going with the feeling. You would have to actually be aware of that even before you go dating. Once again, it's all about the mindset you're in before you date. So you mean even before you go dating saying, okay, what's the potential triggers for me? That's right. Uh, What's going to come up? What are the situations I'm going to find difficult based on my schemas? So sort of the, you know, because obviously subjugation is linked to abandonment because you're thinking, wow, if I say no to this, he could retaliate or abandon me. Mm -hmm. So like a no feels catastrophic and, you know, so that makes it hard to have good boundaries. Yes. So if you know that about yourself, you would sort of be very intentional about um, seeing this as an opportunity to, well, you know, interview him, I suppose. Yeah. Um, See how he's going to respond to the no. Yeah. So, and yeah, so it's yeah, an opportunity. Exactly. I mean, because at that point and, and during the day, you know, Tony's not really seeing me. He's not really able to differentiate, you know, or he doesn't want to. He's yeah. not able to see my subjectivity and say, okay, well, what would she want? That's right. <laughs> you know, I haven't asked her, so why would I do this? It may be the wrong choice. So, so there's no sort of awareness that this woman that I'm on this date with may in fact actually like different things to me, like radical. That might be, he's not actually conceptualizing it like that. It's just like, yeah. okay, well, she's just someone on the date and I just do what I do. Or if he's really more conniving or manipulative, he's testing you, isn't he? He's actually testing me. Yeah. yeah. So that yeah, could, and unfortunately, that sometimes that, that happens. Yes. Know? So it's like, okay, I'm just going to cross this boundary and see what she does. So, um, so yeah, obviously if you've got that subjugation or, or the self-sacrifice, we're going to find it hard to have boundaries when we're put mm. in that position. Just, yeah. 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 In this scenario, do you think there'd be any, what's the difference? How would we pick out the difference between me self-sacrificing versus being subjugated? That would depend on the emotions you were having at the time and you entertain, say no. You know, so guilt would be more self-sacrifice. Oh, I don't want him to feel uncomfortable. Whereas if you had more anxiety or fear over the abandonment in that moment, probably more the subjugation. So more, yeah, so more fear of like what will Tony, potentially this more powerful person, what 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 will Tony do and say yeah. if I actually express what I want and yes. what I feel? What yeah. will he do? And there will be, there might even be some, so it might be less conscious, but there might be even visceral physiological cues like my heart rate or, you know, I might feel really physiologically a bit of fear, you know, when we know that's a subjugation with the self-sacrifice. It's like I might be thinking, oh, no, guilty, come on. Yeah, I feel bad for him. Let's give him a go. <laughs> I don't want to pop his bubble. He's just yeah, look, he's making such an effort. I don't want to say no. I'd hurt his feeling. So, I mean, they're both very related and they overlap a great deal, but that's how we usually differentiate them. So what other signs? So also with the weekend away, you know how he was asking me about did I love nature and then he got on his phone and booked this cabin (laughs) in the mountains, you know, which was obviously very presumptuous anyway and said, right, it's booked. It's booked, he said, without really even checking in 
you know, just because I said how much I loved, I would love something like that. And then he assumed that that'd be okay. So he's doing two things. He's again, not listening, not tuning in, just doing what he wants to do. He's also invading really my space. You know, he's, he's trying to secure this bond too quickly. Totally. So what I really wanted to say was actually, I'm not sure about that. Like, it's told off. Yeah. Well, perhaps a walk instead or something like that. Yes. But I was a bit shocked in that scenario. So I kind of said something like, oh, that'd be nice. And then I was going to think about it afterwards. Yeah, yeah. that's actually a good point because they can kind of, you know, they want you to be a bit off kilter because mm-hmm. that's quite an extreme thing to do to book a holiday away. Yeah. Which, yeah. You know, which, which does happen super early. You know, mm-hmm. I've had I've had clients like within the, you know, two weeks, they've booked some overseas holiday. Well, that's very quick. Yes. It ain't happening anytime soon now, of course. No. But, you know, no. that's in the, fam- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in oh the vignettes of our role players and the clients. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose with Tony, he normalised it a bit. So it wasn't any grand like overseas trip. It was just like, oh, you like bushwalking? You think, oh, my friend's got a place in the Blue Mountains. Oh, let's do this. So he made it feel as though he was doing me a favour and then I felt a little bit indebted to him. He made it seem like he was going out of the way to do something to me, for me. So maybe he was just trying to secure that bond and secure that connection. When we're talking about this, we're really assuming that that Tony, this case example of Tony, is a guy who is showing these early indicators of later coercive control, and we were highlighting that in a very early example. We know that Tony has the propensity to do that, and he's going to go go on to do that. Love, love bomber. Yeah, so he might have increased the love bombing in the early phases and then he was he 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 might have just um reduced the love bombing and started more of the boundary push afterwards so to see if he could get away with. Okay, so they're the other directed schemas. Finding it really hard to say no or when I'm reviewing who's important in this situation, my needs versus Tony's mm-hmm. needs. I've got strong of the those schemas strongly that I'm gonna kind of err on the side of okay. Tony gets his way. Tony's needs are more important than mine. Um, mm. And then the next schema we've got, defectiveness. Not feeling good enough. You might say low self-esteem, sort of being prone to being self-critical and hard on yourself. Goes along with that. You've got a lot of shame. Maybe you're easily embarrassed or self-conscious. I've heard clients say things like, I felt so, I can't believe he's chosen me. I feel really better about myself when I'm with him. He's sort of chosen me. And it's sort of this person with these characteristics has, has, has picked me. <laughs> That's um, tied up with schema chemistry, which we'll talk about in a minute. But then if he, if he criticises or says something, I'm prone to believe it. I suppose if I've got hmm. a reasonably strong defectiveness schema, I'm going to be struggling with my own sense, sense of self and own self-worth and not quite feeling quite good enough. So when, when he pushes boundaries and says things, I'm going to assume he must be right. It's true. So I have the tendency to believe this stuff that he's spinning me. What will happen with the defectiveness scheme? And what, what else do you think? Well, I think what you gave in last episode was a really good illustration of sort of soothing the defectiveness schema by making you feel special with all the love bombing, but at the same time triggering it. You know, so he did all that stuff that could be deemed romantic, and, you know, caring and wanting you to have a good time, but then he was looking at other women. Mm, oh, yes, he was no. looking at that hen's night. 
That's right. So <laughs> it's like, you know, so it's like you're kind of always off center. Like one minute you feel relieved, from, you know, like I think when someone soothes your schemas, it's relief. It's like, oh, it feels so good. It's like the sun's come out, you know. I'm finally special to someone, you know. So your vulnerable child just feels so good, you know. Um, you're out of that place of shame and anxiety and despair that you're going to find someone. But then you're triggered into the shame, despair and anxiety when he's looking at these other women. And then you just want to get back to the other feeling. Exactly. And so, yeah, he was looking at those other women and he, he brought it up, didn't he? Sort of he was, he was a bit derogatory towards that woman, the way she was presenting herself, what she was wearing. So he drew attention to that. They're poking fun a little bit or sort of doing an eye roll. And but then so, you didn't know he was watching them. Yeah. So a nice guy wouldn't do that. He might, you know, he would actually just be on the date with you. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't get the sense, well, he certainly wouldn't mention it and you wouldn't get mm. the sense that he was kind of looking around with a roving eye. You yeah, know? not evaluate, looking looking to evaluate or to criticise. That's right. That's what he was doing. So, like, with if I had a defectiveness schema, or a strong defectiveness scheme where I'd be sort of thinking, oh, gosh, am I kind of, how do I rate? How do I rate as a woman? Hmm. How attractive am I or how desirable as I, am I? He's looking at these other women, but um, maybe I'm not good enough. So I have to be more um, available perhaps that might mm-hmm. even force, you know, sleeping with him early. True. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, well, I'm, I'm available. I have to secure him. I have to secure him because I'm not sure about myself. I don't feel yeah. good enough. He's he's shown me that he could pick another woman anytime. Right. He's always look on there, <laughs> looking out, and you know what have I got to do to be good enough? Yeah, I, really, I have to offer more. I have to offer more. I have had clients say that to me. Mm. You know, I felt like you know if I don't have sex with him on the third date or this whatever it is, or maybe the first date, then uh, he he won't really you know like me enough to want to see me again. So. I've got to pull out all stops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah have you like heard that? Your, oh, totally. Yeah. And that's just like your value isn't just who you are as a person. It's what you can do for someone, which is another sort of mm. pre-existing stance you probably have in relationships, which obviously right. makes you more vulnerable. Right. Yes. And that's where a lot of those schemas come together that we've mentioned, yes. you know. What's that? Say that again, Justine. I like it. <laughs> I always do this. Your, I your, val- your value of a per- as a person. Yeah, isn't your, your value isn't who you are as a person, you know, um, me, yeah. Justine, or you, Gemma. It's about what you can do for the other person. Mm. That's your value. Mm. And, of course, if, you, if you've got the abandonment schema and then you've coped with that schema by being very self-sacrificing and then you've also got some uh, low self-worth because of the messages you got, you know, that's a perfect storm for that. Can I be good enough? Like, yeah. How do I? make myself more more worthy what do I have to do and yeah. when you um when you behave from that place you never feel good in the long term you might get a bit of relief in the short term of the shame or the despair you know you actually might get a good response from the person in that moment but you compromise your self-respect and kind of perpetuate the sense of defectiveness in the mm. long term violating your boundaries yeah self-respect is so important isn't it because you want yeah. to walk away with that sense of okay I acted according to my values, but not only that, I, I, more importantly, really, I mean, I acted, I, I protected my vulnerable child. Yeah, yeah, that's I, a nice way to put it. I didn't throw her out to dry. I actually am taking care of her, taking care of my vulnerability. Mm-hmm. I'm being a guard at the gate, so to speak. And so my healthy part is saying, no, you know, hang on a minute. You deserve better than this. You know, you don't have to be treated like this. 
So um, we've got to be aware of these different parts mm. and how we can, you know, take care of that part that is vulnerable and be our own best parent, you know, mm. our own coach and say, hang on a minute, it's about assessing Tony here. It's about being aware of Tony. It's not about saying how can I please Tony. Yeah, am I good enough for Tony? That's such a touching way to think about it, actually, isn't it? When you're talking, mm-hmm. I think, oh, that's so nice to think about you're not throwing your vulnerable child you know, out to dry, which is probably yeah. how you felt as a little person, you're actually prioritising her or him. and that's really Saying, nice. hey, things are different now. You are our value and what you want, what we want is really actually very important. Mm. Our needs are very important. I'm not yeah. going mm. to make sure that you don't, you know, do anything that increases the chance of you not getting your needs met. So I'm going to take good care of you. Yes. So that, once again, that obviously pre-exists Tony. And so the am I good enough question influences your mindset to dating in general I actually had that little bit of that experience myself once with one guy I was in a relationship with trying to think (laughs) which one (laughs) and yeah this is like a while ago obviously but um I remember going somewhere with him and I did feel quite special you know because he had not so much charisma, but, you know, he's very good looking and he was very tall and he held the room and mm. there's just something about him, you know. Mm. And um, I remember feeling just a little bit of those feeling like, oh, I feel like I'm, I'm so pleased to be with him. Being with him <laughs> made you feel less defective because you saw him as this, you, you saw him as a bit special too. Yeah, if I'm, in with, uh, if I'm with him, but it wasn't even as conscious as that. It was just more of a like, a, wow, I'm with him. I feel a bit, a little bit. Not elevated, but you know, a bit, a bit more sturdy in myself, or something. A bit more, yeah, right. a bit more. Just there was something really nice about it. There was mm. something really nice about it. Yeah, he turned out to be, you know, very damaged and very avoidant, um, and not at all able to have a, a healthy relationship. The things we do and how much we learn. Oh, <laughs> the learning involved in relationships is amazing. You know, that's why you have to get in there and just try it out. Get in there. Don't avoid. What's that saying? Clarity comes through action mm-hmm. in it to having this experience to actually make changes, even though it's yeah. hard, which is well, you know, schema therapy totally. helps you have that. Yeah, but yeah, totally. Relation, relationships is just one of our biggest teachers. So we've got to get in there and try new things out, experiment, you know, once we have the knowledge about what our schemas are and what we are prone to do, then we get in there and test mm. the waters. Mm. Yeah. Are you a woman currently going through a breakup? Is the pain of the breakup interfering with your ability to live your best life? If this is you, then you'll want to get a copy of Justine and Gemma's Breakup Guide. The Red Flag Project Breakup Guide will provide you with the practical advice and psychological support you'll need as you navigate the emotional ups and downs of a breakup. Taking care of yourself and your future self will be much easier with the support you'll get from this step-by-step companion resource. You'll find a link in the show notes, which will take you straight to the breakup guide for more information. Or you can go to goodmoodclinic.com.au forward slash RFP dash B-U-G. That's goodmoodclinic.com.au forward slash RFP dash B-U-G. Hello, lovely listeners. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. It's Gemma Gladstone here, 
and I want to let you know a little bit more about the Red Flag Project. It's an online course for women which provides you with a dating strategy designed to help you understand why you've ended up in relationships with men who have been emotionally unavailable or narcissistic. In the course, we'll help you begin to break this pattern and to really understand what's going on underneath it all. We'll teach you about all the actual red flags to watch out for and give you lots of practical advice and strategies. It will be life-changing if you let it. Just click on The Red Flag Project in the show notes below for this episode to get all the info. Now let's get back to the show. Okay, so defectiveness, would you say anything further on that? Or Nothing comes to mind, but just that it's a very painful schema and you can be very motivated to avoid it. So, you know, if you're not careful and make all these more short-term decisions, like it's, it's a horrible, when that scheme is triggered, it's really horrible. You feel lots of shame and you're alone, you know, horrible. Yes, yeah. And the thing that worries me a lot about that schema is that, you know, when the criticism starts, mm. so if you're in a relationship with someone quite critical and then that increases in intensity, you're more likely to believe it if you've got a defectiveness schema. You won't even have the opportunity to share it with a friend or family. You're already believing it before you are talking with your friends about it. So if he says something like, oh, you know, you know, you don't look good in jeans, you shouldn't wear those, um, you'd be more likely to think, oh, gosh, okay, wow, okay, what should I be wearing? I better check that out, those sort of things. You already have your own inner critic. You've already got that voice in your head yeah. before he comes along and then, You've just got this external source of the same messaging you give yourself. So that's, mm-hmm. it just mm-hmm. slots right yep. in there. Then you get the match, the per- perfect storm. Yeah. 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 And that can keep you in a state, keep you trapped in a relationship that's not healthy. Yeah. But over time, they can just erode. Yeah. The self esteem and self respect. Yeah. So, okay. So, what about we also had another one um, mm-hmm. that might come up, not for everybody, but for some people. Defect, uh, sorry, uh, dependence. Yeah. Dependence. So what what do we actually really mean by dependence anyway as a schema? So feeling like you can't stand on your own two feet in the world. So it's people with a schema tend to find it hard to make decisions, like they have trouble trusting their gut. Uh They almost think that other people are are a better judge of what they think or feel or need than they are themselves. I need someone... Someone stronger, someone yes. wiser, someone to tell me what to do. Very uncomfortable with going out on a limb and saying, yep, that's right, that's what I... So they often check a lot with other people and be very unsure, like you said, of their own decisions and yeah. unsure of their own actions. And they deep down might have a really deep belief that they're just not, you know, they can't, like you said, can't stand on their own two feet they feel like they're not enough in the world, but they need a usually a stronger, wiser other person That's right. to prop them up or to go to, to defer to. The idea of like, yeah, I'm not enough. I can't really make it on my own. And, and so, of course, then if you've got someone telling you, well, I am that stronger person, I am that wiser person, I am this uh, person who knows it all, who's got the answers, then you're more likely to uh, radiate towards them. 
because that person gets you out of the negative emotions when that scheme is triggered, which would be anxiety and a bit of shame and indecision and confusion and feeling mm. helpless and powerless. Mm. So someone like Tony, just think all the little decisions he made yeah. on that first date, give him a bit of relief. Oh, good, yeah. I don't have to front up or yes. Yes. do anything. I can just sort of be in the passenger seat and this guy's got it all sorted. Thank yeah. God. You can completely surrender to your dependency, dependent yeah. schema. Mm-hmm. And this is why another, you know, when these relationships go on long-term, the schema is really, really reinforced. You, you can become a shell of yourself because you lose your sense of, autonomy because this person is constantly buying in and complementing that with like I'm the stronger person I can Mm. do it so then you don't you don't do anything for yourself and then you believe hang on a minute I can't when was the last time I made a a major decision I haven't made a major decision and that can make it very hard for people to even leave these relations women in particular leave Mm. these relationships because they can't remember the last time they made a decision yeah it just erodes everything yeah, so they then they have a really self-fulfilling prophecy. They really then believe, I actually can't. Mm. I can't handle it. And I'll hear often people say, you know, I won't be able to survive without. So it's not necessarily about their abandonment, primarily speaking. It's the dependence where they say, like, I wouldn't even be able to survive without this person. I don't know what to do. He does this. He pays the bills. He controls the money. He, you know, all of those sorts of things. Yeah, because once you're in that dynamic, I suppose that person is subtly saying, here, let me take care of that because I don't think you can do it on your own. You actually need me. Like that's sort of the, even though it might look very caring and gentlemanly and not in shining armor-ish initially, that's where it can go. You can't do it on your own and I'm not going to let you do it on your own. That's right. Because that suits me. That's what I, I, I want. I want to feel, you know, in control. Yeah, it's a very eroding schema in these relationships and it, it can really be a difficult one to shift out of. Yeah, well, it can be because there are lots of, you know, once you get to that, if, if it gets to that point where you haven't been able to function as a adult in the world, you know, like things, you don't be able to make decisions about money or your career or even parenting decisions, you lose that confidence that you can do it, you know, like it's, and that's normal. That would be a normal thing if you don't do something very often. You know, like, so it really reinforces that sense of incompetence and I need someone else. Yeah, very good. So they're the they're schemas that we, we've seen a lot of that would come up uh, in terms of stopping someone, have a clear picture, clearly evaluating early red flags and not acting on them, not getting out early enough. Yeah. So that's really going on for the woman internally. These schemas of abandonment, the other directed schemas of subjugation, self-sacrifice, often the defectiveness and then often also the dependence schema, all of these to differing degrees. And there's a lot going on, isn't there? There's a lot Did going on. Uh, all those triggers. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a lot going on and there's a lot going on for you and there's a lot going on for the other person. Mm. You know? And then you've got the combination. What's going on for you? What's going on as we've alluded to? Shall we um, Shall we t- just touch on schema chemistry in this yeah. situation? Yeah, which is basically what we've been talking about in these scenarios, you know, yeah. the interaction of schemas and how someone has the propensity to trigger your, your schema we're talking about the tendency for us to have very strong attraction, strong romantic or sexual attraction to people who have the propensity or the, the capability of triggering our schemas. 
and wounding us um, in the same way that we were originally wounded as children. And because, yeah, our brain, you know, it does what's familiar. Mm-hmm. So if you're familiar with having these feelings with someone on a date, likely you've had these feelings as a little person with a parent mm-hmm. and your brain goes, oh, this is this is it. This is familiar, good to go. Gives you the green light, fires mm-hmm. off all those mm-hmm. hormones and chemical cocktails to give you that sort of, you know, lovely attraction feeling that we all love. But it's not really thinking, okay, what's good for you in the longer mm-hmm. term? So, mm-hmm. so that's a bit of a design flaw in the brain, if you like, which I so think we spoke about that in a really early episode, didn't we? in terms of what a schema is. So it's a really really tricky situation to be in to be really attracted to the wrong person, isn't it? Really attracted, yeah. And the more then they, the more you're in it and then the more they, you know, for example, if you've got an abandonment schema and you've had very inconsistent attachment with your, your primary caregivers, you haven't known if they've been there for you, so you've got the abandonment schema, then if someone is actively emotionally unavailable you're still you're not seeing anything clear you're, you're actually more attracted to them yeah so it's oh. maintaining that attraction and the more unavailable they are at least at the beginning the more you you seek to connect with that person that the little part of you the vulnerable child abandoned part is saying hang on a minute no no if I can only get this person to love me and see me everything will be okay you know yeah. I'll then believe that I'm 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 lovable and so, you know, obviously if you if you were raised, you had abandonment schema and then you were raised and you learned that, okay, I had to take care of the other people mm-hmm. and my needs weren't as important and it's all about what the other person thinks and feels and maybe I'm not competent enough to make those decisions anyway, then, you know, you're going to probably have very high schema chemistry with someone who's very narcissistic, who's very entitled, who believes that they're <laughs> totally great and who likes to control and likes to control others and gets supply from controlling others. So there's going to be that very negative but complementary match. So you're likely to have high attraction with that person. Yeah, and there's a lot of anxiety, isn't there? Yeah. And those dynamics and you. So you're anxious trying to get these needs met from this person who suddenly become unavailable to you. I don't know, they're not calling you or mm. they're not giving you the same attention and then you'll be hoping, waiting, wanting for them to give mm. you that hit mm. and then they might give you something that you go oh, oh the sun's come out that feels so good Woo. yes relief yeah. relief and it's then addictive process isn't yes. it You're riding the waves of like oh my gosh they're here I felt so wonderful now they've left oh no yeah and <laughs> I feel very insecure very intense and very hard to step out of once we're in it which is why Gemma and I were so passionate about prevention because mm. In these early stages, this is the best chance you have of being able to step outside that schema chemistry yeah. intensity because once it progresses and you start having a sexual relationship with them, those things are only going to ramp up. It's even harder to get out of it. Mm. That's why we emphasise these early signs. So, Yep, so early stuff is key. Prevention is key. Mm. Be it, just increased self-awareness about what's going on for you is very mm. important. What else about schema chemistry? Would you say anything else about it or do you have an example? I was just reflecting on actually how you were as the client and just so you know everyone, Gemma did such a great job at that role play. It was just so spot on. Yeah, thank you. And when I was talking to you, when I was talking to you, I was thinking, okay, Gemma has really high schema chemistry with this person, right? Mm -hmm. And do you know how I could tell that? Because the way you were already very wedded to the idea that he Mm -hmm. he was good, 
you know what yeah, I mean? I don't like want to believe were, otherwise. No. Mm. And so you were you were getting a bit irritated at me being the party pooper and kind of pointing out things that could indicate otherwise that he wasn't this person because you already had those feelings going. And so when I'm with someone as a client who's telling me about their experiences early on in a relationship, that's actually what I'm looking for. I'm like, is this person actually open to seeing the lie of the land, like not writing them off, but actually not fully in with it either, not sort of seeing them as this great catch. And so that rigidity is a sign that you're already got this schema chemistry with someone. Yes. Yeah. And it's such a common thing. I had one lovely woman who has this pattern told me about that. Yeah. She just can't seem but to avoid that early on. You know, it happens really quickly, this overinvestment. She's getting better at it now, but she voiced it was just really difficult, really tough because she was already involved even before, already invested, always had that view, that fantasy that you talk about, already really attached. So, Chemistry and schema chemistry, obviously there's a lot of things that feed into chemistry in general, isn't it? it you know, what about this? I want to I give you, a, I want to tell you about another old situation of mine. Now, I, years ago, I met this guy and we went and had a date. It was chemistry in terms of after the date, it was like couldn't sleep, right? Mm. Really kind of couldn't sleep, you know, thinking about him. Anyway, anyway the next time I met him, he said the same thing. He said, oh, my God, I, was, I wasn't able to sleep. I'm thinking I obviously don't know anything about his psychology. I don't know anything about his schemas, right, no. at this point. But on the first date, and, you know, this, is, this was a bit of a crash and burn thing. So, but anyway, I'm just, you know, a lot of people will say to me, but I don't, how do you know, like, you've got this attraction, what is it, schema, chemistry, attraction, you know, physiological, what's, what's the nature of it? So with this guy, I had such strong chemistry. I'm trying to figure out what was that chemistry, Justin? And then it, as I got to know him, it turned out that we really didn't have anything in common, right? It was just like, gosh, what do you say to this person? Uh, anything, it wasn't easy. There was no kind of, but the physical attraction was 10 out of 10, 20 out of 10, huge, everything about him. So there was a physical attraction, but really there was actually no <laughs> no real real, basis. No real basis to it. But then I found and then all his wound when I actually got to know him a little bit, all his wounds came out. So he was very he had like he was like came from a you know, very difficult family of origin, domestic abuse, early, very traumatic early memories. So would have had a lot of abandonment and emotional deprivation going on. So very vulnerable, would have had a very vulnerable, vulnerable child, very vulnerable. He told me about some of his early memories and I just thought, unbelievable. Like, why do I keep attracting these guys that are just like got these out of unbelievable early experiences? Um, so I had huge chemistry with him. So what do you think is going on there? Is it So what is it about that? So because I think it's often about social things, biological cues, mannerisms as well, how someone looks, physical characteristics. These can all feed into the chemistry. What do you think? And then it was so happened to be that he was a very unavailable guy. He was intensely emotionally unavailable uh, because he had so many of his own wounds and because of, and, and, and other, other things made him unavailable as well. But, you know, so there you were. That's me being really attracted to a very unavailable guy. So my schemas coming in together, there was a real schema interaction. Before but you even in, knew what they were. Before I even knew what they were. And was it comfortable? What's going on? 
Was it comfortable when you were not sleeping? Were you, were you just preoccupied thinking about him? Oh, like, yeah. What was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thinking, about, thinking about him and fantasising yeah. about him. Just, <laughs> just, you know, he was just so preoccupied. Yeah, and, and it was mutual. It was it was mutual. Yes, it was mutual. Yes, and I didn't even I didn't know about yeah. So, but that he was inherently very you know he was an emotionally unavailable guy because a his circumstances because of his emotional wounds, unhealed stuff. He himself was a very probably a very abandoned little boy on the inside, very um, emotionally deprived on the inside, with some other traumatic stuff. Yeah, so so really fascinating, really interesting, isn't it? And and, and I hear that story often with clients you know so obviously your vulnerable child or your downstairs brain everyone to think about it was drawn clarify to what you mean about the down downstairs brain downstairs brain yes. last time we said that people oh, yeah. thought it meant below the waist no we're not right. talking no, about it's dan siegel's analogy of brain development and it's the part of the brain that's very primitive and from day dot is making is, is learning about how the world works and what to expect from relationships so it's it's really tied into your parents and how they treated you as a little person. And so that those familiar behavioural patterns you had with your parent, your brain looks for those in other people. So that's another way of, you know, what it goes with what's familiar rather than what's good, right? Or your vulnerable child is sort of seeking out the same patterns. It's trying to recreate these old um, dynamics unconsciously to try and get needs met. Yeah, so there's something very unconscious. Very unconscious. Process yeah. going on when yeah. I met this. Yeah. So you were obviously, there was something about his behaviour or what you spoke about or how it, maybe how he looked even, facial expressions or mannerisms or something that, yeah, that was correlated with all those other things you eventually found out, even though you may not have been able to put your finger on it at the time. So it was correlated in some way with yeah. my early experiences. Right. I'll give you, I can think of actually a personal example. So, and this is a mannerism one, right? Um, Mm. So I realised that I am drawn to men who frown. How about that? Mm. Are you? Yes. If if I'm in a crowd, I often do this just to amuse myself. If I'm in a big crowd, I'm waiting for something to start. I'll like (laughs) scan the crowd, right? And I'll just... Uh, it's almost like I'm letting my unconscious brain and my downstairs brain run free, you know, okay. out of interest. And I just notice who I look twice at. Mm. I just notice that, right? Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes it's something um, sort of superficial, like my favorite color, <laughs> which is purple. Um, right. Or it's it's something about a mannerism. And so I realized right. I'm actually, I look twice at men who are, who are like arms crossed, frowning. You mean, you mean you look twice at them, what you're so interested in that? Kind of. It's, it's almost like I wouldn't consciously say I'm interested, but my brain, it's like I go back to it. You're I, curious about yeah, that. Yeah, I go, oh, mm. like it's, it's, it's like I, I scan past them and my eyes track back to them. Mm-hmm. Now, that's my father, for mm. example. Yep. Now, if you saw a guy with his arms crossed frowning, would yep. you think that was a good sign? <laughs> emotional availability it may be or it may not you know yeah it may just be in that moment he's looking at something or it may be some habitual stance he has in the world now I won't know that till I see him you know or I spoke to that person if I did but that might be correlated with Mm. other signs of unavailability yes my father's closed yes defensive maybe defensive or detached critical no it's so nuanced isn't it I mean Uh, chemistry and schema chemistry yeah. but it's just uncanny 
in that example that I had with that guy, you know, such huge schema chemistry and then his wounds were so <laughs> pronounced. Particular to your schemas. In, yeah. As a consequence of those wounds, he he was quite emotionally unavailable. Yeah. And sometimes a number of ways. you can't disentangle it because it's so subconscious and you know, they might say, clients might say, you know, well, they're all different, these these guys, but mm. actually what's going on for you unconsciously, your brain mm. is picking up something similar across all of them in some way. Yeah. What's familiar, whether it's a, a yeah. cue, a mannerism, a gesture, yeah. even skin colour, tone, eyes. Mm-hmm. And that may or may not be correlated with this emotional unavailability that you might go on to discover mm-hmm. later. And so some of the things you find attractive in a guy aren't all bad, like it's not like your entire template or you know is is wrong yeah. you know you might prefer taller men to shorter men for example you know mm-hmm. or um but there'll be some things that are correlated with with the schema chemistry you might go on to find out with this guy but you won't know that until you kind of interview and analyze and yes learn about what your unconscious yeah. brain what your radar is actually picking up on yep that's fascinating fascinating yeah. <laughs> it's a fascinating topic it kind of got to be really really and it's such trial and error it know. is and that's what's hard yeah the trial and error part maintaining your mental health and positive willingness to do the self-development while you're waiting through all the schemas and disappointments okay well, so what are we so how did we go there Justine did we cover what we wanted to cover I think so well we ended up talking about schema chemistry which is actually relevant to a webinar Gina yes. and I are doing. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell them a bit about that? Yes. So it is a webinar that um, will be relevant for therapists helping their clients who have got this pattern of getting a, you know, getting enmeshed and attracted to, to people who seem to be triggering their schemas or it's an obvious pattern there that they can identify. And it's also going to be relevant for people who, so anybody can do it really. So if you feel like you've got a pattern where you look and say, oh, why do I keep attracting the same kind of person? You know, what is that? That might be also great for you as well. So it's, it's, so it's going to be a live webinar and then it'll be up on our website for sale afterwards as a recorded webinar. So even if you miss the live part by the time you listen or watch this podcast, because we're going to put yes. this on YouTube, you will still be able to access that webinar afterwards. That's right. The recording. And the link in this um, episode, you'll see a link in the show notes for the Schema Chemistry webinar, which will be on in late October. What's mm-hmm. the date? 28th, I think. 28th. Yeah. Yep. Thursday, the 28th. Thursday, yeah. Australian Eastern Standard Time is the timings there. So, yeah, so it'll be a, it'll be a, a, a schema with pers- a, a webinar. Personally, you might get a lot out of it if you see I identify with this. Mm-hmm. I want to learn more about schema chemistry and also if I can, you know, help my clients or people that I'm working with. Mm-hmm. So have we, so that will be in, in the show notes, a link to that. Mm-hmm. There'll also be a link to the Red Flag Project course for women in the show notes today as it there always is. Yep. Yep. So that's a course which covers a bit about what we spoke about today, but talks more generally about schemas and how they make dating difficult and then goes on to, give you a dating plan that you can use to become more aware of schemas and then yep. you know choose someone who can give you that love and connection that you that you deserve. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yep. it's all about prevention. 
Mm. Being being aware, fine-tuning your radar, screening out people who can't be there for you, like nothing against them, but they've got to do their own work. So screening out people that are either emotionally unavailable or at the more difficult end of, you know, very controlling or narcissistic mm-hmm. uh, potential partners, being able to have a real good radar for that. So we go into that in a little bit more detail in that course. And, of course, if you want to send us an email, Justine and Gemma at goodmood.com.au. We get in touch if you want to comment on this podcast or ask us a question about it or if you've got any suggestions for other topics for us to talk about. So until next time, take care, tune in to what you need. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for today. We really enjoyed spending time with you and we hope that you keep listening. You can visit the podcast page on our website, goodmood.com.au, for more information and to access show notes. Please remember that this podcast is intended for information and learning purposes and that it shouldn't be used as a substitute for personal therapy. So please consult a qualified mental health professional for assistance that is tailored to your specific needs. Hope you stay well and take great care of yourself. Bye for now.